Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. It is good to finally be back online. It has been a little while. I really, really wanted to get these podcasts out all earlier and I had ideas for recording new podcasts with people and well, you know, that summit thing I organized, the Canadian Shield Bikepacking Summit, took up a, an astronomical amount of time for me. Um, very happy to announce that it was a resounding success. Is it resounding or resounding? Anyways, it was a huge success. Um, nothing major went wrong, which is a really, really good thing. And... I really can't wait for 2024. I have so many ideas and I sent out an exit survey to everybody that was there and I didn't know what else to call it, but um, had some amazing feedback, great ideas. So I'm going to try to take some of that and put it into play and uh, make 2024 even more awesome. Or as all the kids would say now, even more awesomer or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, man, on that note, school is nearly over. What a relief. It has been hectic. And of course, planning a summit right in the middle of report card writing season was probably a bad idea, but luckily I got most of them done ahead of time so I could actually rest after the summit and not really stress things. And we've got three days left of teaching and one day of work, so four days left and it's all done. And then I'm on summer break and... uh and then the fun begins. So very, very exciting. I have a, a few good rides planned for myself. Um, I would say nothing crazy, but yeah, it's probably a little bit. I mean, from some people, it would be crazy. I'm planning to ride the Canadian Shield 1200. So that's the longest version of my route. And uh, yeah, 1200 kilometers with, oh, top of my head, probably on paper, on Ride With GPS, something like 15,000 meters of climbing, but it's probably closer to 20 plus thousand in actuality. So I will uh, I will be hopefully riding that completely and I'll be able to update those details and stats and make sure that it is as accurate as possible because I've never done a complete ride of that loop. And so it's really hard to know exactly what uh, the elevation gain is and actually nobody has completed that that loop right now so as of yet which is pretty wild um, yeah but we'll talk about that in a minute um, 
I'd like to thank my sponsors. I have a few, a couple things changing with Bike Pack Adventure sponsor, uh, podcast, I should say. Montan Sports Canada, who sponsored the Canadian Shield Bike Packing Summit, has also uh, decided to sponsor me, myself, well, Bike Pack Adventures uh, for this season. And uh, I have to say, man, their clothes is really well made for the price. I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, the company Montan themselves. So Montan Sports Canada is a little distributor here in Canada, USA. They can, I think they can ship to the US. Um, but Montan.com is the overarching Chinese company, you know, as it is. Um, so yeah, if you're going to order, order from Montan Sports Canada and uh, help out a local, well, local to Ontario, um, 600 kilometers away from here. Um, a couple, a family, you know, that uh, is doing a little distributorship because they like the gear, they like the quality, and um, yeah, help them. So, very cool people. Um, you know, this company Montan creates or produces clothing for, as they say on their website, seven major bike brands. They don't announce which ones, obviously, but if you did look at their ride wallet, you would probably, um, notice that it looks very very similar to the same one that another company sells that sells for about two and a half times the price or twice the price at least so you know it's good quality gear um at the summit they had socks for sale for like 650 each um regular price price are like 13 dollars. they're still way cheaper than some of the other brands out there and they're great socks um so yeah Super happy to be wearing their gear. Um, so far, I've tried on both the regular bib shorts and the cargo bib shorts on two different adventures. Um, so far, so good. The regular bib shorts have a little bit more venting in the junk area and uh, keep you cooler with uh, some well-placed like venting holes in the chamois. And the cargo bib shorts are just a little cushionier for those long rides. And uh, so far... I did a 250 kilometer ride with them and they held up great and my body held up great. I had no chafing, which is not something I could say with the bib shorts I was wearing last year. Um, also, Panorama, who was sponsoring me last winter and I was getting to ride their Chick Chocks fat bike, is uh, going to continue supporting the podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next couple weeks getting my hands on a new gravel bike and mountain bike and uh, putting those to the test. Um, I'm not easy on bikes. I tend to go down single track, not not crazy double diamond, black diamond, whatever single track, but I go down pretty fast on a gravel bike to the point where my buddy Carl's like, Chris, you got to slow it down. It's a gravel bike, not a mountain bike. So, um, if this gravel bike survives me, I'll let you know. And I'm sure uh, you can read your own reviews on them and uh, see if they're the right brand for you. But they will—they do ship all over North America um, and they make beautiful gear. So check out Panorama. Anyways, I um, wasn't meant to do a whole blob blurb blurb about the, the company sponsoring me at this moment in time. But um, very excited. And uh, very excited to see where things go uh, in terms of this podcast and uh, the guests I will continue to get. And, of course, the summit next year. 
Uh, so let's talk about bikepacking. Uh, there's some really cool stuff going on in the world of bikepacking right now. So uh, I'm just going to run through a few little things. I mean, there's so much more than what I'm going to talk about. It is the start of summer and uh, there's a ton of events going on. But uh, the ones that are of particular interest to me, Megan Hackinen and I got out last weekend for uh, to ride the Canadian Shield 400. I didn't have the whole weekend because of Father's Day, so I did a one-day thing, and I kind of halfway or so, I cut straight back down to home. But she continued on and uh, set the FKT of 37 hours, 20 minutes on the CS400, the Canadian Shield 400. So definitely um, something out there that people can kind of aim and aspire to taking that title. But... uh yeah, it was a great ride. It was so fun with her and uh, just to, to see her in action and learn from her. And uh, if you're not aware of who she is this week, she is currently riding an ITT of the Log Drivers Waltz. As opposed to starting in Almont, the official route start, she started in Wakefield and took on the Gatineau Park section first and then blew through Ottawa all the way to Almont, down to Charbot Lake, all the way up to Calabogie and is now up near Gracefield at something like kilometer uh, 670 and that is in 36 hours so she is crushing this route i think jen adams one of the creators of the route um posted that at the 24 hour mark she had only stopped for 19 minutes uh which is wild Sorry for the sniffing and the voice is probably not as great as it usually is because it's allergy season full blown. I'm thankful that it's past. Uh, it hit me after the summit and as school's about to be done because I feel pretty miserable. But anyways, that is that. Yeah, another really cool event. If you don't know about the Butter Tart 700, uh, Butter Tart 700 in Southern Ontario, Kyle Messier came down from Canmore this year and uh, raced it and finished in 53 hours, 21 minutes, 25 seconds. And uh, that is this year's first place finisher. And really not far off from the FKT, but the route has gotten a little bit longer, apparently, and a little bit harder, a little bit different this year. But uh, this is the second year in a row that a full squish bike has won that event. And... I can attest to the fact that, I, I mean, I've ridden it one and a half times, I should say, that uh, there are a lot of sections that are really, really hard on the body with, you know, lots of deadhead, baby head rocks and stuff like that, and uh, just really rough terrain. So that full squish definitely, definitely comes all the way into uh, being beneficial in that event. Lastly, on the Tour Divide, which started on June 10th, and we are now the 23rd. Oh, maybe it started on the 9th. June 9th, maybe? June 9th. Um, Ulrich crushed the Tour Divide, coming in just four hours after, behind my call's record, I should say, finishing first place in the Tour Divide this year in 14 days, three hours, 23 minutes, which is pretty epic, because that is a fast smoking pace and for the vast majority of the ride, race if anybody was following that the um oh i forget who was behind uh or who was fighting with him but they were really neck and neck until like two days ago 
Um, and then Ulrich had a chance to break away and put something like, I don't know, 40 miles or something on the next person and, uh, and ultimately just kept it up until the end. And, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome job. Anyways, that's it. That's with all, that's all that's going on in my life and all the things I've been watching and thinking and doing. And, um, let's jump into this week's podcast with my intro. In this episode of the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, I have the chance to speak with Ja Big while sitting in my backyard watching my dog run circles around us. I had first messaged him about one and a half years ago, but he was quite busy and we couldn't quite make it work. So it just happened that this year we had a chance to connect while he's staying in Ottawa with his sister before going off on his next big cycling challenge where he was going to cycle from North Cape, Norway, to Tarifa, Spain, in a continued effort to fundraise for World Bicycle Relief. So what's really interesting, and you'll find out in the podcast, but Job Big has this goal of raising $1 million in his lifetime um, for World Bicycle Relief and has been doing some pretty amazing challenges or adventures uh, to help get him there. A brief little... um, biography of his some of his bigger adventures in 2017 he cycled 17,763 kilometers across Canada on a fixed gear bike which is insane including winter time in 2022 he I I, I don't know if this is a real term but he circumcycled the lower 48 of the US riding 13,255 kilometers which is also amazing and uh, so, yeah, he is really much more than a bike tour. If you don't know who he is, you can also check him out on Spotify. He does an amazing job of blending his life before cycling BC, where he worked as a DJ in Montreal, Canada, with his passion for bikes, often doing guest DJ gigs along the way to raise money for his charity. And uh, yeah, super happy. After the podcast, we I rode out with him from my house and uh, most of the way back to Ottawa and I was actually even able to show him a little shortcut through the Gatineau Park like a little more convenient route than what he was taking and uh, we just spent like you know an hour or so chatting and learning about each other and I definitely look forward to him succeeding on his mission this summer getting back up here to Ottawa and having a chance to ride with him again so job big welcome to the bike pack adventures podcast all right, welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Uh, today I am with uh, Jean Amé, more commonly known as Jabig, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. So, uh, Jabig, tell us a bit about yourself. I know you're a DJ, but other than that, you know, and you ride bikes, so I love you already. But uh, yeah, well, go actually, deeper. <laughs> actually, that's a summary. That's all you need to know. However, if you need a long version, uh, uh, my name is uh, Jean Aimé Bigirimada, and you know I go by Jabig because it's just a shorter DJ name. And most people wonder where Jabig came from, and it's literally you know from Jean Aimé Bigirimana. So it's like the first letter of my forename and the first three letters of my surname. And I was born in Rwanda, grew up in Kenya and South Africa, uh, then moved to Canada in uh, 2002, and. When I got here, you know, I had I was lucky to meet people in the uh, nightlife scene in Montreal, and right away I was plugged into the community and I started getting gigs and you know pretty soon enough, I became like a local you know local 
famous DJ, <laughs> so to speak. And then one day, um, uh, I, I, I actually accidentally um, uploaded a mix on YouTube, a DJ okay. mix on YouTube. And then I realized that it was getting a lot of traction. And then from there, I started adding more and more. And before I knew it, I was a YouTube creator. And my channel became very popular. And from there, international DJ fame followed, which resulted in gigs and kind of notoriety. Like traveling a lot. And yeah, and then traveling. And then when I was uh, 37, which was, I don't know, remember when, but actually I might be wrong, but it was 2015, I randomly bought a bike. And as DJs, you know, I work at night and usually work uh, on weekends because unlike other DJs, I'm kind of the lazy one. You know, I'm content with working three nights a week, weekend yeah. rather. So during the day, I would just ride my bike and I loved it. And I got my bike in uh, June and by the end of uh, September, October, I looked this the statistics on this app that people had recommended me called Strava. And I realized, oh, wow, you know, I've ridden 5,000 kilometers. And I said, and I told myself. In how many months? In uh, three or four months. Yeah, nice. And I told myself, and this is a fixed gear bike. And I was riding in like shorts. I didn't even know what bibs were. You know, I was riding yeah. and I was riding some distances. I was riding 100 kilometers, 200 kilometers and most of the time I had to get my friend to come pick me up because I would ride, but then I would forget that I had to turn around. And when I turned around, it would be dark. So my friend would, was like, well, where are you? I'm like, I don't know. And like, oh, I can see on my phone. And then he would just follow the dot on the iPhone and come fetch me. And, uh, and then at the end of this, you know, but when it started getting cool, I decided, oh, I mean, I look at this app and, I'm, and I realized, oh, you know, 5,000 is from, it's the equivalent of Montreal to Vancouver. Yeah. And I was like, huh, maybe I should ride across Canada. And then I say, what a stupid idea. And then, you know, discarded it. But at the same time... And at know, that time, did you know that people were doing this? Like, No, I kind of read about it. Yeah. And, you know, but it looked weird because they had like so many... The bags looked very like packed and there were bags and they, it was so slow. And I had to sleep outside and I don't camp. I've never camped in my life and I was not interested. And time went by. I mean, by time, I mean like a month. But then this idea kept bugging me. I'm like, why not do it? And at the same time, I was, you know, a little bit burnt out from my DJ career because, you know, I think I'd been at, you know, all the nice clubs I wanted to spin at mm -hmm. in Montreal. I'd performed there and, and there are things to get to the really international level. There are things I needed to do, but I didn't want to do them because it's against my principles. And, okay. you know, so I was a little bit, okay, let me go think about it. Some people take a sabbatical. I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a year off. I mean, actually, I said, I'm going to take six months off and ride across Canada. And I'm gonna do it on my fixed gear bike. And somehow I don't see why I should be camping. I just run around my bike. So I'm a problem solver, figure out like how can I ride across Canada without having to camp. And then I did some research and I found out, you know, and actually realized that I had uh, quite a number of friends and fans around okay. across the country so they could host me. And also, um, I found out about this site called Warm Showers yep. of a cyclist hosting cyclist. And I said, you know what? If I, I can actually pull this off. And in the instances where there's no accommodation, then I can pay for the, for the you know, I paid accommodation motels. Uh, at the time, Airbnb was still new and, uh, you know, and I didn't know what it was. I mean, actually, I knew what it was, but it was still new. So I don't, in major cities, it was popular, but, but in, you know, in small towns, it wasn't popular. And in major cities, I knew people, yeah. so I didn't have that issue. So, so then I decided I was going to spend the next th three months, which is the festive season, 
uh, DJing and working hard and taking even corporate gigs that I didn't like to save some money to fund my trip for six months, my six month uh, trip. And while I was doing the research, I realized that one not even make, make it more, more epic and make it, you know, memorable and immortalize it. And I decided to use it as a basis to break a Guinness World Record, which was the longest journey by bicycle in a single country. And by that, it means that, you know, you can pick any country and ride the longest distance without backtracking. So how far did you go? So I ended up breaking the Guinness World Record, which was at the time it was 14,000 kilometers. Uh, I broke it when I was in Prince George, but that, I mean, I mean, you know, I had ridden from Montreal to Central Newfoundland, turned it around, taking a different route, you know, again through Montreal, mm-hmm. all the way to Victoria uh, in, in BC. I mean, I'm assuming you listeners know Canada. And, yeah, yeah. And then as I was going up to the ocean, um, to the Arctic Ocean, when I was in Prince George, I had ridden like uh, 14,000 kilometers and I broke the Guinness World Record and I kept going all the way to the Arctic and... But then it was seventeen or eighteen thousand kilometers, and I think it was, if I remember correctly, like you were up in the Arctic area, like in Yukon and Northwest Territories. It was winter, or yeah, yeah my trip was mostly yeah, winter. Mostly like, winter. I, start, I started in winter. I started in January, on the thirty-first January, uh, uh, January of uh, 2020, 2016. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say the twenties. I said two thousand sixteen. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, two thousand sixteen, and then I did all winter, and I did a little bit of summer because in summer. Surprisingly, summer was the month where it was too hot, where the weather made it impossible to ride. Mm-hmm. But also when I was in Toronto, in a city, I mean, in a metropolitan, no, is it metropolitan? Well, anyway, like a city so, called yeah. Burlington, my okay. bike got stolen. Suburb. Uh, yeah, suburb. I, I think it's metropolitan. Okay. You know? Met- yeah, it's yeah. probably, I guess, part of it. Yeah, but because Toronto people don't like it when I said that my bike got stolen in uh, Toronto. So let me say where it was. It was in Burlington, <laughs> Ontario. It was my fault. I'm not going to deny it. I, I leaned it against somewhere and I figured, you know, people are in Canada nice. Nobody's going to steal a bike of a traveler. Well, I was mistaken. And it had my passport, my belongings, my laptop, everything. And to this day, when I apply for a passport, when I cross borders, you know, I get like triple, you know, sc- scrutiny because the, you don't want to have a stolen passport on your record, you know. Oh, and especially no kidding. Okay. So immigrant. it gets flagged, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. every time you travel. But also as an immigrant coming from, you know, a certain place, you know, a, a certain continent, you know, <laughs> the Canadian government is like, of course, just your passport got stolen. Yeah, of course it got stolen. Who did you send it to? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, of course, this is me being a little bit... Uh, cynical, cynical, but probably... But I've had friends who mm-hmm. lost, who have lost passport. They don't, somehow, they don't get the same level of attention as I do. Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's something about my face, you know what I mean? And um, smile too much. Yes, <laughs> too happy. It's my accent. And and from there, I um, so I go to the Arctic. And when I go to the Arctic, um, you know, in the meantime, somebody in Australia was riding the same distance and broke my distance. I heard uh, about that. Yeah. You know, and 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 did uh, I think his distance was uh, uh, nineteen thousand kilometers. And just by that, because I'd run out of country to cycle, you know, I'd reached my end of my trip, and I wasn't going to go back there and carry on. Uh, so I broke the Guinness World Record, but I never, it never got validated. Yeah. Validated. Right. You know? ah, okay. There's a word for it. It's adjudicated, whatever. The Adjud- word. Okay, adjudicated. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah. yeah. So I heard somebody else in Australia was writing. Yeah. I didn't know it was right so, at that same time. You know, if you go to university and you do all your classes and you don't graduate, you don't get a degree, but you still got an education, did you go to university or not? So 
But for me, I, I really don't I mean the Guinness World Record was a very nice gimmick to have on top of that. So, you know, ideally for me, it was an escape. I wanted to see mm-hmm. what I was capable of. I want to take some time. I wanted to, you know, figure out what I want to do in my life. And, you know, and that's how I got into a, a burst in the world of cycling because everyone was. I remember going to the bike shop and I told, told them what I wanted to do. They're like, you can't do it on a fixed year. Are you crazy? So and tell like, us about that. Like, were you crazy? <laughs> no, I wasn't crazy. I just, I, I was, because one of the things that was frustrating me at the time, again, like I said, my DJ career was, I want to do things my way and people kept saying, sure. no, we don't do it this way. And, so it and like then, drove you to do it Yeah, even so then more, now right? I go to ride my bike and they tell me you can't do it this way. And then I'm like, okay. And I grew up in a place where my parents told me, just because others can't, doesn't mean you can't. You know, like let right. others be others. You be you, you know. And I said, you know what? Now this is a challenge. Before, actually, I was entertaining the idea, but the fact that I was being looked at as crazy, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it in the Rockies. I'm going to do it in winter. And I'm going to do it. And because, you know, I'm from, I'm from Rwanda. You know, my background is from Rwanda. And some of you know what happened in 1994. Yep. If you don't, you can just ask Google. And I'm like, you know, I've survived things. I can survive a bike across, a bike ride across Canada. Mm-hmm. Although now that I know better and I've done it, I'm like, don't just tempt faith. You know, just because you've gone through hard, hardships doesn't mean that you should purposely go into them. However, I don't regret the adventure. It was an adventure of a lifetime. And it, it you know, I mean, since then I've ridden across Europe and this yeah. summer I'm going back to Europe and I've ridden across Canada the second time in the pandemic in summer on a bike with gears and the irony of it it was harder than running across Canada in winter because the country was shut down and it was crazy you know you couldn't find accommodation <clears throat> yeah. like, now you couldn't even go to the to the Tim Hortons and ask for water because they're like no you can't get water so you have to go to a petrol station and get water and yeah. you know, it was or just they would, the one problem I remember is like they would be closed and only the drive is open and then you go up and they say no bicycles you have to be in a car and it's like what the hell like, yeah <laughs> actually that would happen because they would be shut. So you go there. But then I, you know, this is where when you speak French in the rest, in the in English Canada, you know, they tend to be mesmerized at the fact that you speak French. So I would just go there and just speak French and exaggerate oh, my idea. English accent. And they were like, you know, like uh, me, traveler from uh, Quebec, uh, you know, drink uh, water, very thirsty. Not that Quebec people speak like that, but they don't know. <laughs> the most, yeah, the, they don't know because the fakest accent you can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and then from there, you know, it was I got into many adventures. Can I ask you though? Do you think the um, riding a fixie single speeder fixie? It was fixie. It's a fixie gear, and I need and um, I like to correct that because yeah, yeah. And there's a big differentiation yeah. distinction between yeah. riding a fixed gear across Canada. I mean, okay, so you added probably sev- several levels to the challenge and difficulty of riding cross country. Do you think that just made everything later seem just a little simpler? You know, as you move forward and you got into geared bike riding and planning these big adventures, you're like, man, if I could ride across Canada in winter on a fixed gear bike, I got this. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the most important thing is like, um, uh, first of all, Surprisingly, I mean, not surprisingly, most of you who are listening to this are bicycle people. And by the way, I ride bikes. I don't know nothing about bikes. And I rode across <laughs> Canada, and to this day, I really don't know how to fix a flight, a flat. And, you know, people say, how can you not do, not do that? I'm like, well, like most things in life, you know, it's easier. The best way to get out of problems is not to get into problems to begin with. So for me, avoid punctures by just getting flats, by getting like, you know, 
hard tires and getting white tires and mm-hmm. you know and just looking at the road you know and so what happened um i found that a fixed gear was a very simple bike yeah because i actually realized that in the north when i was dealing with snow and all the nonsense a fixed gear was the easiest because i didn't have you know um the or yeah. whatever to deal with no cables nothing that. Yeah. it was just you know and it's one gear so it's in the same cog if that's the, if that's the proper yeah, same word. cog yeah. cog cog so it's always cleaning cleaning it and the one thing people don't realize that even when you're tired even when you're climbing on a fixed gear you just have to push down and the bike just the pedaling for you as long as you get momentum you know and I, and I did some big climbs I did I did uh their you know the Rockies and people think the Rockies in Canada are bad but they're not mm-hmm. the worst part is northern BC because Northern BC has some steep hills. Is that up by like Dawson's Creek and uh, no further? No, no, northern, um, sorry, Northern, I, I, I didn't mean Northern BC. I meant Northern Ontario. Oh, okay, yeah. Highway 17. Yes, oh, yes. Oh my goodness. Highway 17 was the most traumatic part of the trip, not only for the hills. The hills are short, but steep, but also the traffic. So many lorries because, you know, I mean, and it, in winter mm-hmm. people were not that patient, but at the same time they were like, this man is crazy, and I don't want to be the one, the one responsible to crush, you know, to, to kill him. Yeah. But yeah, so, and then also Northern BC itself, once people forget that the Rocky Mountains go all the way, almost to the Yukon, you know, yeah, yeah. people don't know that. And those ones are even steeper than the one in the, you know, in the yeah. sort of like between Calgary and, uh, and Vancouver. Yeah, I crossed at the, uh, on the Alaska Highway yeah. heading towards Alberta, and that was a Big climb and where the, you the, see all the goats and yeah, everything. Like you know? It's the first yeah. time I saw like you see passes that climb, you know, the the turning the the, cir- the turning circle, and it was so it was so intense that I could hear a lorry down the mountain, and I could hear it, and then it would overtake me twenty minutes later, because <laughs> yeah. they were struggling. All of us were struggling. Everybody you know, struggling. All of us <laughs> were struggling. You know, and did you ever just hitch a ride up a little bit? Just grab the back of the truck? Ah, no, 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 no. Because not um, that crazy. I mean, I'm not crazy. But also, it's very slippery. Yeah. But also, I'm not that fast. Okay. Because I mean, def- you know, like it's definitely 50 kilometers an hour uphill. I mean, let's say 40. It's yeah. still fast. It's fast. But also, I'm on a fixed gear, mean, meaning my legs have to turn at 40 kilometers an hour. That's right. So I wanted to ask you about that. Going downhill, like, what's the trick to controlling your speed downhill when you're on a fixed gear? Because your legs are going to just spin. Yeah. As well, the wheel spins. Yeah. Most people who ride fixed gear don't have brakes. I had brakes. Okay. So, so I had the front and the. Real just break. for that reason, so yeah. I would no, just for safety because yeah, for safety. But yeah. also, actually, the number one reason, the reason why most people butcher their knees, fix your bikes, because mm. they break with the knee, you know, with the legs, yeah, yeah, and that affects your knees. If you're riding around the block, that's okay. If you're riding across the country, that's and if you're riding down a mountain, it's for and sure. And, huh? and and most of you know the ten mile pass or downhill in, in on the on the Trans Canada into okay. the Rocky Mountains. There's like a downhill that's like 10 kilometers. Yeah. And it's maybe average like 5%. Oh my goodness. I did it and I hit, uh, what is it called? Uh, terminal, terminal velocity. Ter- ter- terminal velocity. And at one stage, my break, my hands were, because it was, it was, I did the Rocky Mountains in October, November. So I was getting cold and I had to stop because I couldn't feel my hands anymore and I couldn't break. Mm. And I was getting cramps. So I'll stop and then carry on and then keep going. Oh, but it was so... Oh, it was yeah, so otherwise you just keep going faster and faster yeah, and yeah. You, you can't break, right? So then from there, I started riding, you know, I did some other rides. I rode across, uh, you know, I did, I, I went around Europe and rode, you know, my aim was to go around the world. But the pandemic happened and the Canadian government, I mean, embassy told me to come back home. Okay. You know, said, no, just go home. It's going to be 14 days and then you can resume the ride. We all know what happened. Yeah. Can I ask you though, um, sorry, just to jump back. When you cycled across Canada, so you had planned mostly staying with friends, staying with warm showers, 
or hotels if you had to. So did you carry camping gear at all or? No, like I said, I don't no, camp. I'm and, and, you know. And stove and stuff to cook? Or you just kind of bought stuff at stores and restaurants? And no, yeah, I just ate out. So you were light. You were like, you were traveling relatively lightweight, like clothes. Like the only clothes I had, so my kit was very simple. Yeah. I had best layers. And what I would do is I would get to the destination, wash my clothes, mm-hmm. get in my best layer because I was indoors. Sure. And then the next morning, my clothes would be dry and I would put them on. Yeah. Sometimes I would be in hotels where they didn't have laundry facilities, but that's the beauty of wearing a merino. And at the time, you know, like people say, why, why are you wearing a Rafa? It's, but at the time, you know, I mean, Rafa was the only brand that did merino. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of the merino. Not only does it keep you uh, cool, but it also doesn't smell. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I was, I could pull off, I mean, I pulled off like two or three days wearing the same clothes. Uh, yeah. No, everybody, and with merino, man, you can do that. I should actually just add right now that in case people are listening and wondering, what is all that noise? We are sitting outside on my gazebo, listening to the highway behind us, and my dog rummaging through the leaves. So she's just uh, walking around. And yeah. uh, so, after Canada, you went to Europe, and you—I mean, no, now you're doing north to south. So you were. What was your route through Europe, and where were you going? So my, my, my actually, my it was a ride around the world. So I had yeah. started in Montreal, okay, went to Boston, Boston, and I did my fixed gear, and then I went to the UK. You know, at the time, you know. Um, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody got open to give me I saw you. a bike. Yeah, actually, I was gonna say it's in the garage right gonna, now. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, that's the bike I rode. Is that the wide or the upper? It's the upper. The upper. Yeah. yeah. So they got in touch and then they said, "Okay, now you have a frame. Let's you need." Because I didn't know. For me, I thought a bike was just came. I didn't know. I thought a bike came, just came with everything, but it turns out I learned very quickly that no, every little thing, you know, is by a specific manufacturer yes and you have to get it from them you know hopefully uh andy at uh you know at open and the irony of it is that you know he gets a lot of people messaging him but f- apparently what what won him over had nothing to do with even my cycling before continuing on with the show i'd like to thank panorama cycles for sponsoring this podcast Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Chocks Fat Bike, the Catadan Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. You like my music? Ah, okay. So in a very twisted, weird way, and actually, most of the time, most of the industry, cycling industry, what fascinates them about me is my music. They're like, oh, I like his yeah. music. I like what he stands for. He's a DJ. I, I, and then the irony, some of the gigs that I get after my fixed gear ride across Canada, they were like, hey, you're that crazy guy who rides across Canada in a fixie. Yeah, I like okay. bikes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. If you're crazy, yeah, I'd... I'd like to talk to you. Anyway, can I book you? And then, you know, we can talk about that when, when you hear it. Can I just, like, I'll book you, but just allow me to take you for lunch and then you can tell me all about your ride. And I'm like, 
oh, so you mean tell me to get all the gigs I should have written across the country? Okay, noted. Nice. It's like total flip service. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. I, I think though that's that's a really like clear distinction. Is like you know because there's so many people out riding and doing big stuff, and everybody's always kind of thinking is like, how do I get sponsored? Well, like you're not going to get usually just sponsored for riding a bike. Yeah, it's got you got to have something that whoever happens to be looking for a sponsor kind of says. I like this person. I dig this, or they do this other thing that's cool, you know. Because yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was also timing. It was uh, it was that stage when cycling was getting into non-cycling. They were just on tour to promote non-cyclists because they're like, okay, we're you know, we are promoting racers, but people out there they don't race. They yeah, don't most, race. Most people don't. Yeah. But also, they wanted to take non-industry people mm-hmm. because, I mean, if somebody who's a cyclist. A season cyclist rides across the country, it makes sense. Yeah. But if some random guy who's a DJ, first time adventure, does something epic that even Canadians themselves don't dare do, that is an interesting story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like and then, you know, I'm I'm different. I don't even know, like, you know, like the guy, you know, I'll I'll never forget they would be talking about components and I'm like, what is that? Like what is a saddle? Ah, saddle. Yeah. He's oh, asking you, what saddle do you want? You're like, what's a saddle? Like, what, what, what's your saddle size? I'm like, does it have a size? I'm like, you rode across Canada with, without knowing your saddle. I'm like, they come in sizes. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, my yeah, butt yeah. just got used to them. So I was lucky that way, but also, it's one of those things where I don't know. For me, I credit it to the power of music, because music has just that thing that, you know, makes people, I don't know, makes me different. I don't know. So then from there, I, uh, I rode across Europe. And, and then when I came back to Canada, I was bored. And in between the lockdowns, because it was like a first lockdown from the March until, from March until May. And then we had like a quick opening between June and October. That's right. Yeah, we went yeah. to, uh, so we went to Vancouver at that point, And then I rode up to Whitehorse and to Winnipeg. So how did you get to Whitehorse? Because cycled you, my bike from. No, because Yukon was closed. No, no. They opened up by then. Northwest Territories was still closed. Oh, okay. Close. Yeah, I, I wanted to go all the way to Tuck, yeah. but couldn't do it. Because that's what yeah. I wanted to do. I wanted to, initially, I wanted to go all the mm. way from Tuck and then do the reverse ride. Right. All the way. Yeah, but yeah. then the, uh, the only Canada that was open was yeah. from Northwest Victoria. Yeah. And then I even didn't go far. I just went all the way to the New Brunswick Quebec border. Okay. Because the Maritimes were like, uh uh-uh, uh, you're not getting in. Right. Yeah, they were I causing mean, problems too. Mm-hmm. I could have snuck in because. There's but then the problem is, I, then I'm on social media. And right. then comes this responsibility of trying to be okay. Because at the end of the day, that's, and actually, that's one of the downfalls of being like having riding for brands mm-hmm. is that you have to keep your nose clean, so to speak. You yeah, can't yeah, even, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You kind of have like a half, you know, saying you're not allowed here and then there I am, and then talking on social media. Because if somebody got something or something happened and got in trouble, then you're representing it, those companies. Exactly. And yeah, even yeah. to this day, you know, sometimes like I'll say some, you know, because. I mean, but that's what I told people I work with. I'm like, listen, you found me the way I am and have opinions. And they are, we like those opinions. And you know, everyone likes opinions until the opinions are against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Until it's the wrong opinion. (laughs) You know, like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to cite examples, but. Yeah, no, no. But you know, there have been situations where I said, yeah, I I don't like this, but I don't like that. And you know, the person was like, but what would you say? What would you say that? I'm like, you know what? People actually understand that even if, because I tell, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I can work with the brands I like. Yeah. You know, and, and I tell the brands I like, I would buy your stuff. 
I mean, most of them are bought their stuff before, the, you know, that's actually how, how I got on the, on the radar. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because they were like, oh, he writes, you know, our stuff. And he's Let's tagging see, stuff and they're saying, oh, look know. at him. He's, you yeah. know what I mean? But sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't like this, <clears> but I don't because it's bad. Actually, let's forget brands. Let's talk about music. Sometimes there are some favorite music producers of mine. But sometimes, and I love like 99% of their songs. I mean, actually, if they made 100 songs, I like 99. Yeah. But you, they're them tell, you know, they're tell them that you don't like one song of theirs. And suddenly you're full of yourself. You're full of crap. You know, who do you think you are? And, this yeah, and, yeah. and I'm like, do you really think I'm going to like all every 100 songs? Every single thing, yeah. And actually, if somebody tells you that they like everything that you do, they're Probably pandering. Lying. Yeah. They, you know, they're lying to you. So that's sometimes what I tell the brands. You, you know, there's things I don't like, you know, and I'm like, you know, things break or sometimes I break them, but I also know that I take care of my stuff. You know, sometimes, and you know, or sometimes it's just, you know. So, but but fortunately, now I work with brands that actually, like for instance, I work with Telfin. Telfin, which is the, you know, the back, uh, the backpacking equipment. Yeah. They don't care when I tell them something is nice. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we know it's nice. Tell us what's what wrong. Good, yeah. What went wrong? And I'm like, well, yeah. I'll find it and I'll tell you if I'm I like, find no, something. Then I'm like, yeah, actually, there is something over here, something over there. And then we'll come to a conclusion. Okay, fine. You, but you wrote that bag in impossible conditions. And, you know, it's old because it's worn out. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. just things. And then they're like, okay, here's some replacement. And then they write it down and then they'll tell me, oh, yeah, by the way, we also got feedback from other users and we've been, you know, we worked the we we worked this and that. Yeah, that's know? good. Or or for instance, uh, Rena Hurst, they're like, okay, tell me about the tires. You know, what did you like? What didn't you like? Where did you go? You know, how far did you ride? And you know, and 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 then they're like, okay, try these tires and try this. And I'm you know, and I'm like, oh, I actually like these tires. And I'm, you know, it's always experiment because I'm always trying to be. I like to go to do to mix two things that really don't go together, to be fast, but also to have to be comfortable. And to have a to be puncture resistant, which is usually three, <laughs> three, 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 that, three sides of the triangle. That yeah, are very high. Yeah. But but with Rene Hurst, I've been able to put it off because they let me, you know, like try tires and try things. So, what are your favorite Rene Hurst tires? Like it was the Barlow Pass, which was the yep. thirty-eight. But then I found out when I was at Fat Moose in Ottawa that the forty-four, it's a name I can't pronounce. It's the snow whatever snow something. Qual- Pass. Oh, anyway, it's a, but it's seven hundred to forty-four. Okay. If you take the extra hard casing and you put it on the on the Zip three five three wheel, it will fit on the open. Mm. But at the same time, if you take the ultralight seven hundred thirty-eight, it will also fit. You know the 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 Palo Pass. It will fit on the open. So what one would one should one take? Well, common sense say say pick the ultralight. However, if I'm traveling, like if I'm in a city, like for instance, to come here, yeah. you know, here, it's okay. I rode the, uh, the ultralight. But when I go to the no- northern Scandinavian, uh, northern, um, not Scandinavian country, no- northern Europe. Yeah. So I don't know which country is Scandinavia or not. And it's the, Norway uh, is. Yeah. Okay. So if Norway is, uh, <laughs> when I go to like northern Scandinavia and there, I don't want to be fussing about with like with a tire that might break. Yeah. That, but also I might do some gravel and I don't know where I'm, go- I don't, I don't know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So then I want the most puncture resistant tire so what I can do with the 44 I can since it fits I can use it I know it's extra extra like you know it's very like it's other stiff yeah it's it's very stiff but it still rolls fast and also since it's a wire tire I can deflate it which allows me to get to the same comfort level 
What is the uh, what is the limit of the upper in terms of how much you can how wide a tire? Do you know? Well, legally, not legally. Officially, it's forty. Seven hundred. Officially, forty. Yeah, but you and can. And the six hundred fifty B fifty five. Okay, gotcha. You know? Yeah. However, like I said, I you, put on you're a fitting a forty four because it's all about you know you know how it is. It's all about not all tires measure the same. It's but the way they the squash wheel, out and you know, stuff. But yeah. also the three five three has a. Uh, it's like a 25 millimeter internal. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I know all this technical. Oh, look at you, huh? Yeah, no, it's like you it's know, a guy who didn't know a saddle. <laughs> se- seven years later, look at you know, seven years later, you know, it's got a 25 millimeter internal. Internal. Yeah? So okay. the tire fits. I mean, I couldn't. We could not believe it. We, you know, we're at the back shop, Fat Moose. We could not believe it. We're like, oh, I found my tire. But ideally, because now, because I loved 650B. Yeah, because I love it. I love it. I love. What do you the- love about? I haven't tried it, so I've been always con- contemplating. Should I? Should I try six fifty B? So I mean, I've tried it on a mountain bike. I, I lied. I, so but I haven't ran it again. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna speak as somebody who's not interested in racing. Yeah, and who's not interested in technical. Sure. Technical riding. I mean, let's say I'm not interested in, in going fast on asphalt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to go fast, but I don't. I'm not. That's not my primary uh, my primary concern. Yeah, my concern is to ride all day, meaning comfort. But also to have tire puncture resistance. Is that a word? Yeah, puncture. Puncture resistance. Yeah, it sounds yeah. good. So when I lose a word in English, I say I speak four languages. So I get <laughs> confused, you know, to make my, to make myself look less of an idiot. So, so for me, that's those, those are the priorities. And then off road, for me, it's about uh, adherence, um, like um, ad- no, like being able to grip. Yeah. And also to, because I don't have good handling skills. Or I actually don't have a, a like for instance when I ride on gravel I don't want to look for a lane you know right like, something that can like, kind of roll over everything yeah, yeah like I don't know what is it where do you find your lane like we find you know when you when you decide where yeah, to yeah, ride, how yeah. do you call it Does it to find your lane sure yeah finding your lane yeah you don't finding, have to pick a lane or yeah pick a lane yeah. I just want to ride correct, you know? correct so for me those are the most criteria so now I find that seven hundred and I mean seven hundred seven hundred C once you go past 44, the, t- the bike rides funny because even though you have the mm-hmm. white tires, it's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, hard to, it's harder to maneuver. It feels it's, like it, a mountain bike more. Exactly. Huh? It's, not, yeah. it's not like very nimble. Whereas when you have the 650B, like for instance, it, it's just my, you know, my, my gravel bike is at moose right, you know, fat moose right now. Okay. But, but also, you know, I would ride it here because now I know there's a little bit of gravel. But when I put the 55 millimeter tire on it, that's on the As, wider, right? On the wide, yeah. on, the, on, on the open wide. Yeah. But oh, it, can actu- actually, it can also fit on the on the upper. Right. As long as it's one by. Okay. Yeah. The, the maximum you can put on the one, on the upper two by is the 48. Mm, okay. So, and and we'll get to the to that later. Are sure. you like, you know, on how, which bike I'm going to choose Yeah. for my European trip? I'm not sure. No, I'm, we'll get to that later. Cool. After I get to this point. Do we talk technical stuff here? Or is oh, it we talk of, everything, okay. man. Yeah. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm I'm not I'm dro- you know for you, the listeners I'm using I'm I'm dro- I'm not I'm, I'm not there to represent brands. All this information applies to a bag that has the same clearance and the same sizes. Mm-hmm. You know what matters is that your casing has to be smooth because that's mm-hmm. what matters. Because otherwise, you end up with a like for instance, I rode across Canada there on a uh, skins. And then later on, ah. I got the hard shell header skin. I mean, and you're riding on a piece of rock. You don't get a flat, but then, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. harsh. Whereas the tires I have right now, they still have, there's a bit like, you know, soft and I can do, and you know, and puncture resistant, which is for me, it's like the, the perfect uh, combination. So to get back to the uh, to the reason why, when I get back, when I get to like 48 and above on 650B, the bike still feels like very nimble. 
I mean, which actually sometimes is dangerous because, you know, like it feels very, you have to be, like, you know, you, you have to be, I like bikes that are a little bit twitchy. Yeah. I like it that way because, you know, so I like it that way. And then you have the width, which protects me from punctures and it's also extra comfortable. Yeah, so if right you roll now, over small rut, like washboard or small ruts yeah. and stuff. It's, and I'm even yeah. talking about roads because I'm from Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you're from Quebec. Yeah. You know, you know how it is from Quebec, you know, like from Montreal. Yeah, Montreal, yeah, yeah. we get, you know, you like now I was, I don't know who I was riding with last weekend. And they're like, but you don't even stop it. You just go, because they were riding behind me. I'm like, you, you need to call the potholes. I'm like, oh yeah, but because I don't need to, I just go yeah, through yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I have like my 50, you know, my 55 tires and, you know, and, like, yeah. So right now, I'm at a stage where I'm like, okay, I have, an, I have an option. Do I take the wide, which allows me to have one buy and I can put the 55 tire? Or do I take the upper, which allows me to have two buy, but then I can put, you know, I can put up to 48, but I have two buy, which allows me to have- You like can go up to 48 on the upper? 650B. Oh, 650B, right, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, and we've determined that I can go up to 44. Mm -hmm. on a 700, 700 yeah 700 yeah. So right which now, maybe tells you even with 650B maybe you can get to 50 I don't know yeah I think yeah but <clears> the <throat> problem is that uh, Ren Harris doesn't make like a slick that's um, uh, I mean, the slick they have is the 48 is the 48 is the Barlow Pass is that the one no, no it's oh, a, the Barlow Pass is 700 oh, okay. but they have like one I mean I forget the names yeah yeah there's know, a, they I'm, have a lot of names like, and they're, you know, they're, they're very they're, the names that are very foreign to me so I can't pronounce yeah, them they're all know. like famous passes, passes somewhere yeah yeah and you know, I, I confuse them, you know, so, and so what I do is what I'd like to do, cause, but the thing is that I think if I put the 48, 650, 48 on the open, because my, my wheels are the 650B wheels, they are 21, I think mm. can blow up to 50. Okay. And I think it will fit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is why I love black like, fat mousse, the backdrop. Which one do you find more comfortable, like uh, the, the upper or the wide, you know? I mean... Like, Without saying <laughs> your sponsor, like, so, like, but like, I mean, at the like, same time, like, like which one would you jump on? Uh, actually, any listen, day of the week. Listen, listen. I swear, I, I cannot tell the difference. Okay. All I can it's tell. Just one has more clearance, and what, all I can tell. I mean, actually, I can't tell the difference, but also I can't tell the difference because those the two bikes are built differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like for instance, my uh, my uh, my uh, wide. Is my is my size? Mm. Whereas the open, the upper, they give me because I'm in between sizes, mm. so they give me the size that's a little bit bigger. Okay. Because they knew I was doing the distance, so didn't want to be you know cramped up. And, so yeah. So it's funny because when I look at photos of myself and I see that I'm, I tend to be more aggressive on the on the wide than the upper. So already, if you're riding a very aggressive bike with super wide tires. It's gonna be a different feel, feel that if you're riding, you know, mm -hmm. because you know. But it's crazy because I've been riding. I ride sometimes. I ride them. It's just they just ride differently. I know, like I can't tell the difference, but it's comfort in different ways. For instance, the wide allows me to go anywhere. You know, I'll go anywhere. Like I'll, I don't care. I see grass. I go through it, and I can. Yeah, yeah. Take, I can go on that grass at forty kilometers an hour. I can go downhill and decide. You know what? I don't want to break. I just want to go on the grass, and I'll do it. The bike will not. It will just go. Mm -hmm. Yet the 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 upper because it's so light. Like when I go, like you know, for instance, when I you know when I was coming here, it's uphill. Mm -hmm. I could feel when I was out of the saddle. You feel it. You like, oh my goodness, this bike is just 
going. Made to fly. You know what I mean? But the, the thing is, though, is that when I'm, like, when I go to the, to the uh, Champlain lookout, which is a lookout here in, in uh, yeah. Ottawa, you know, like, it's the highest, it's the highest, uh, highest post you can cycle in Ottawa. And you go downhill on the wide with the big tires, and you take those corners with 55 millimeter tires. You've I'm almost like a motor, motorcycle, which I'm like leaning into it. Okay. Which is something I would never do on a bicycle with 38 millimeter. Right, and, right. And, you know, and 38 millimeters is wide compared to a normal, to mm-hmm. more, you know. Um, yeah, 28 mil on a road bike, no, yeah. I mean, I've gotten to a stage where now when I ride my fixed gear bike, which has like, I have a fixed gear bike has like 20, you know, 26 millimeter tires. Oh my goodness, I cannot even ride that bike because I'm so scared of everything. Mm. You know, even though I push it up to like yeah. 100 PSI, but it's just uncomfortable, you know. Now, I mean, and to this day, like I ride, I see people in 32s and I'm like, that's so thin. You know, and 38 for me has become the, like the normal. When I when I did my know. trip, I was on 32s and I'm, I'm like, whoa, like, yeah. yeah. What, uh, last year you cycled, I guess we could say circumnavigated the lower 48 of the US. And it's uh, important to say that because then people say, hey, what about Alaska? Alaska? Hey, what about uh, Hawaii? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Lower 48. Yeah. Uh, you, so you circumnavigated it. You did it to raise funds for charity. Yeah. And I guess just to visit as many states as you can that are yeah. <laughs> bordering another country. Um, tell us a bit about it. Um, yeah, I'd love yeah. to know more. So I knew the pandemic was about to end and I, was go, I would go back to DJing. You got the memo, huh? Yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, I think, you know, you know, people are getting vaccines and now I don't, I don't want to get in this debate vaccine or, or, or not, you know, but it's easy to tell who's vaccinated or not. Basically, whoever took a plane in the pandemic, you know, he's vaccinated <laughs> or oh, she's vaccinated. Sorry. They across vaccinated. the border. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if across the border in a pandemic to go to rather back in the US, well, yeah. Anyway, so I decided I need to do one epic ride. And, you know, the US scares me. I love the US. I love it because it's house music, the music I play is from there. Yeah. I have many friends from the US. But the US scares me. But I realized that as, as somebody who's traveled the world, what you read in the media and what's real, what's out there are two different things. And for me, I wanted to find out for myself, what is the US about, you know? Because it's a <clears> country, it's, it's on, you know, Canada, what happens in Canada is, you know, what happens in the US, you know, happens and, you know, determines where Canada is going. If Canada says, sure. you know what, we're just going to go bomb a country and, and attack them. They, Canada is going to go because, you know, we might be next. So we have to be, you know, we, you know. With friends. the exception of the Iraq war, because that we was, stayed out of that one. That, that was, was impressive, actually. That was yeah. impressive, you know, yeah. because it's like, you know, but at the same, you know, he's our, you know, it's like when you have a friend, like, you know, your, your brother, but your brother's like, he likes to get into fights. And you're like, you know what, he's my brother. You back him up because he's your brother. Yeah, he's my brother. <laughs> like, you know, he's my brother. And also, I mean, you know, uh, as I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Canadian immigrant. You know, I've been in Canada for 20 years. Yet for me, I found that Canada, Canadians and Americans are the same, but very different. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've traveled this country in Canada. I mean, I've, read, I've, been, around, I've, I've been across Canada. I've been in, in, overall, maybe I've been in like 100 households, you know, yeah. posted me. So I can say that I know pretty much, I have an idea of Canada. I can't say that I know Canada in and out, but I have an idea of Canada and I wanted to see what the US was about. And of course, who doesn't dream of riding a, a, a back of the US? Because, you know, the US is actually... I would say it was, it was like aesthetically, if that's such a word, it was a better ride than Canada because it's prettier. It's more. There's va- a lot more variety. things to see, right? It's like more when we talk you about. Know, like I was in the desert. I couldn't believe the it. gorges, like, the canyons, the mountains, the, the ev- you know. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my goodness, it's like in the westerns. At once, such a freaked out because I thought some animal was attacking me, and I'm like, what is that? And it was those 
tumble things. That, Tumbleweed, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I, it came towards me with the wind. I was like, what is this? I can't see, you know? And and then you go into the into like Oregon and then you see these tall trees that have been there for like a hundred right, like years. Right, like the redwoods, you know? yeah? You know, yeah, the redwoods. Yeah. And then you go into, you know, like North Dakota and all of them, they look like Canada. They look like Saskatchewan and all of them. Okay. So that was like, oh, those are like familiar grounds. And then you go to California and you're like, you're like okay, I've lived in Vancouver, but this, this is just next level. Yeah. So I wanted to go there. And also, after my ride across Canada, I realized that it got me a lot of attention. And everyone, whenever I rode, people saying, oh, wow, what, did, what cause are you riding for? I'm like, what do you mean what cause are you riding for? Riding to ride a bike. Yeah, I'm like, I'm riding, I'm just riding my bike, you know. I'm, I'm riding like, cause I like it. You know, I'm like, <laughs> why? I'm like, what does have, you know, what does riding a bike and, you know, riding for a cause have to do each other? But then I realized, you know what? I'm doing these things getting a lot of attention and for me there is you know like education is important for me you know I'm African born and I'm sitting here talking to you not because you know I am smarter than anybody else or you know or I mean and by sitting here it doesn't mean that Canada is paradise but all I mean is that I have opportunities to I can you know the reason I, I'm I was able to easily migrate to Canada is because I come from a family that's well educated have good education and this and that you know and those it opened doors more than some of the people on my continent and for mm-hmm. me you know it's instilled in me that you know when you get to the top you keep the door open for others and one of the ways of keeping the doors for others is to have them access education you know what i mean and so i decided to to i'm like you know what let me find a good organization because i was you know that that's something to do with education you know with education and then I came across World Bicycle, World Bicycle Relief, and I loved the idea of how to take bicycles and, yeah. you know, but actually, you know, most people will take bikes and go, if I give you a bike right now, let's see if I give you a bike. You're going to ride my bike until something breaks. And then probably throw it away and we hope somebody else because, gives me a bike. Because you can't find the components, yeah. you know, and, or they're expensive. Sure. World Bicycle Relief, Relief what they do is they send the components wherever the you know the services the bikes are needed oh okay and then they hire the the the, uh, the um i'm gonna say the creative they don't create the form no that's french they uh train, train. local mechanics oh, okay and becomes like a whole economy of itself yeah you know what i mean yeah and teach the skills to go with exactly. and then provide the components so that they're accessible yeah. right so then they, these mechanics they build the bikes but they also service them but also they and then locals if they want them they can buy them, which again feeds the business. So it's a very su- sustainable business. And also they don't have these, I mean, I'm gonna get in trouble with the audience member, you know, they don't come with this like white savior mentality, as in, hey, hey, here we come with, you know, you African people will come to save you, you know? Yeah. They let the local, you know, people locally who know the people locally run it, you know, and they just provide the logistics. But also I like the fact that most of them work remotely. They don't have these big offices. So you're not, when you don't make a donation, that doesn't go to the big office yeah. or somebody's big salary. And, you know, and World Basketball Relief was founded by some of the founders of uh, uh, Stram. So Str- oh, okay. uh, so World Basketball Relief is headquartered in a, in, at, at, at a Stram in, a, in Chicago. Okay. So, they, so for me, I like the fact that they operate very lean, in a very lean manner, yet the impact is just mad. You know, they... The, you know what they do is just amazing you know and of course it's bicycle i'm riding bikes so it makes sense to raise bikes you know so i call it like you know a bike for bikes you know that's how i feel smart like hey a bike for bike so then nice. i approached them i said hey i'd like to do some fundraiser for you and they said yeah sure so then they gave me a link and 
So now when I write, I say I'm writing for World Basketball Relief and people donate, you know. So I tell people, if you like it, if you like my stories, my rants rather, because I'm always ranting and complaining on social media, complaining about the wind, complaining about the mountains, complaining about everything. If you like my writing, just donate to World Basketball Relief. Okay, nice. And so when I rode, I rode across Europe, it was for them. When I rode across Canada for them, it was for them, you know, and the ride around the US road uh, raised uh, $20,000. That's amazing. And in my lifetime, I want to be able to <coughs> donate 1 million. That's your goal? Yeah. Because I put my, actually changed it because usually, I usually have like a new, uh, for each project, I have like a new site. But then I realized, no, let me just put 1 million and just make these projects, you know, all the way to 1 million. So let's say, for instance, if I write to somebody, because sometimes I, pe- I have people from social media that say, can we write together? And I'm like, I don't know you, but if it's worthy to you, we can ride, but then we can make a donation to World Basketball Relief. Yeah. You know, because, you know, so playing the whole poster thing, you know what I mean? But if it can benefit somebody, why not? Oh, when I organize some rides, <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, let's go on the ride. It's free, but if you have the means. Make a donation, please. Make a donation yeah. to, you know. But also I made it because I realized, you know, the other day somebody made me fall and I really hurt myself. And for the first time in my life, which was the dumbest fall ever, but for the first time in my life, I'm like, man, these bikes, things, you know, they can actually be dangerous. You know, I can hurt myself. So I put it to one million so that if one day something happens to me, people don't have to wonder, hey, what was close, close to his heart? You know, they can just keep the thing going even yeah. after I'm gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that sounds a little bit uh, macabre, but that's life. You know what I mean? Well, you never know what happens, can happen on a bike, yeah. right? So I mean, not even on a bike. I can be... Or, for then, yeah, I love chocolate and sometimes I eat it too fast. I can choke on chocolate. You know what I mean? Hey, choke on chocolate. <laughs> that's a very Say nice that alteration. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, so, so yeah, so, uh, you know, and I love what they do. I visited them in, uh, after my ride across, uh, across, uh, the US, I paid them a visit. Uh, know, in, uh, in Chicago, yeah? In, in oh, Kenya. in Kenya. Okay. Because okay, I went to see where they were doing yeah. the, back, you know, the, where they're doing the, 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 the distribution. Okay. But also, I like the fact that the, these bikes are not handouts. You know, the students have to have gotten good grades and they have to stay in school and they have to, they have to get good grades and they cannot have, you know, and they tell the communities and the parents, like, you know, you're especially the parents of daughter of, of 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 young girls who, you know, they have to stay at school. You can't take them out of school and go and marry them off or okay. have them do like domestic work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's a way it's funny how this bike ends up like empowering and you know, it's like a human right human right thing and it just mm-hmm. you know, for me it allows people to have an education and education is it's like the entry point to opportunities. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean like I said, I'm not the nicest person, but my parents were uh, well-educated. Mm-hmm. You know, they went to good universities, they put us in good schools, and here I am, you know what I mean? I mean, mind you, my parents would have wanted me to, to be like the typical doctor and this and that. And they're like, all this education, and you just want to become a DJ? And I'm like, no, this education actually worked because it taught me that money and the pursuit of money is not what matters. It's the pursuit of happiness mm-hmm. and fulfillment and actualization. So it actually worked because these are the things that people... Most people, they fall into a trap of like, oh yeah, have to work hard, get to university, meet somebody, get married, buy a house, and spend the rest of my life working hard to pay for the house that I don't that I spend a few hours in during the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, running the rat race. Where I'm like, well, I wouldn't know what that's like at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let me cut to the chase and do the things I want to, and then they want to yeah. do the things they want to do when they retired. And the thing with yeah. the retirement is like, you know, you gambling because you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because time, we don't control time. And I said, you know what? Because this education taught me that, you know, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm-hmm. That's education. And now I'm doing whatever I want and I'm fulfilled. You know, I'm, I mean, the only thing, the only problems that 
it's hard to date because I meet women and they're like, hey, it's very nice to meet you. Uh, what do you mean you're leaving? So you're leaving? Okay, cool. When are you coming? Well, I'm actually going for six months for my ride across the US and then I'm going to go to the UK and then I need to go to Montreal to visit my family. And then, then swing over in Kenya. <laughs> then I'm going to go to Ottawa and then I need to go back to Kenya. Yeah, I'll be back in Vancouver in a year and a half. Is that good? <laughs> of course, it's not good, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, so, so the, this charity is very, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's bikes and it's, and it's something tangible. You know, sometimes you give money and you're like, oh, we're going to do this. And you're like, where did the money go? And where is it? a bike? You can literally see. I went to Kenya and I saw the bikes. I saw them in front of my own eyes, you know. I'm like, oh, here they are, like all hundred of them. And they're going to be given to, to the community. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. So let's, uh, I, I do have a question. I mean, it's not, it's not an unknown. You are from Africa. Yeah. Uh, and you are a cyclist, which puts you as a pretty marginalized group of, you know, I mean, there are black cyclists out there, but there's not nearly as many as there are white cyclists. And when you're doing something like that around the U.S., like what has been the, well, how has, how have you been received? You know, have you had issues and not, not, I guess not just U.S., like could be Canada, could be Britain, could be anywhere, um, you know, and, and in your conversations with other friends who are probably my color, yeah. uh, has your experience been different well, or similar? There is the diplomatic answer and there's the, the, there's the real answer, there's the diplomatic answer, and then there is the sneaky answer. Let's go with all three. <laughs> <laughs> so the problem, the things that you can go in the, drugs are drugs everywhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. You know, if you go, I can be in Africa and if somebody hits a cyclist and starts to ride, to drive, to drive me off the road and kill me, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. It's just in the US, the, I, did have, I did have incidents that were racially based. Okay. You know, and, and I said before, one of the reasons I want to get to, to the US, I didn't want, uh, you know, I don't like people say, oh, everyone is telling me the US is so racist, you're going to be, I'm like, I'm like, man, like. If it is, I want to see it for myself. I'm like, people are racist. <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm like, okay, see, this is what I'm trying to, to play the game, right? But I just want to say, I'm like, you know what? It's not the country. The racist, it's not the country. They know, they will, I will not let somebody dictate how I live my life mm -hmm. in a country that's, you know, it's your country, but it's not your planet. That's what I tell people. Yeah. You know, everyone who's xenophobic, I'm like, I don't care. It's your country, but it's not your planet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm allowed to be on the road. I'm legally allowed to be there and this and that. However, you realize that the application of it, they're like, yeah, but I'm going to hit you in my car. I'm going to, you know, I had somebody try, you know, you know, try to try to run you off the road. Run me off the road. And he tried three times. You know what I mean? And what scared, freaked me out is it was in one of the states people have told me when you get there you better keep it moving because you know and I'm like come on guys <clears throat> and then it's the irony is that the two states the three states where people told me you were going to have problems that's where I got problems and it just took me all the problems I had it was within the 48 hours across those states wow huh? and I'm not going to name them because people sure. get touchy you know but it it happened you know yeah. sometimes I wonder why I have to be to tell people it's okay Meanwhile, I'm the one who got, you know, I've, I, that's the problem I'm talking about race is that you find have to be the one to console people. And anything, actually, the other day I got attacked by, you know, I mean, a dog made me fall here. And I found that I spent the rest of the time telling people in Ottawa that it's okay, you know, I'm okay. That's why I was okay. worried when you came today. I was like, you know I know I mean? my dog's loose. Yeah, and everyone like, is like, I'm like, I'm like, like, if somebody does something stupid, it's not you, it's them. You know what I mean? You know, like, you can't take responsibility for people who, of, 
who look like you or who are from the place we are. You know, people are free of their own decisions. You know what I mean? So in the US, I did get in some trouble, but then I had like four, three or four incidents. However, the pale comparison of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of good times I had with yeah. Americans. Because, and this is something I'll say, Canadians are polite. American keep it, Americans keep it real. Ah. Like, this is the difference between, because people say Canadians are nice. No, Canadians are not nice what they mean. Canadians are polite. Americans, they're real. If they like you, they'll let you know. If they don't like you, they'll let you know. The good thing is that you know where you stand. Right. With Canadians, you can sit here, we can, like you and I, we can sit here, have a nice chat, we can laugh, and then when I message you later on Instagram to thank you for having me, like you've blocked me already, and I'm like, but we still have a good time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where Americans are like, oh man, I love you, and this and that. Like, Amer- I mean, Americans, I mean, I, they gave me the VIP treatment. Like, I've never been, been spoiled. Canadians wow. gave me, like, the polite, very nice, yeah. you know, the VIP treatment, yeah. but in a very polite manner. Yeah. The Americans, I mean, I was like a superstar. I was like, I don't know, like, I was, Americans gave me so much love, you know? I've heard that. I've it, heard that America, madness. when you travel and bike around America, people are, like, unbelievably I would, friendly and kind. And like, like you said, not just polite, but they open up. Yeah, know? like, for instance, in that one state, we had problems. That's also where I was in the supermarket and I was buying food. And they're like, say, why are you wearing those clothes? And automatically I got in defense mode. And I was like, okay, here we go again. And I told the person, yeah, I'm riding a bike. I'm like, oh, where are you from? Canada. I'm like, oh my gosh, Canada. And then he screamed, oh, he's riding from Canada. And then before I knew it, I had like a whole, I was like, I'm doing like a TED talk. A TED talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, but by the time I left, I had been fed. Like a big, people were giving me cash. You know, I felt like a stripper. They were like giving me cash, <laughs> you know. And, and they had, you know, some people had like prayed for me. Because Americans, you know, they're shame, they'll pray they for you. They get the Bible belt and all that. You know, right? like they pray for you. And then I'm like, hang on a minute. Less than 24 hours, somebody was trying to kill me. And here they are, like, you know. So that's why overall you focus on the They're big like picture. the needle in the straw, those yeah, exactly. ones, you know. Whereas Canada, like, it's very polite. It's very proper and this and that. And also I found that with Americans, we could talk about topics like privilege. We could talk about any topic, you know, polarizing topics. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, I found that a lot of Americans were like, but... I don't have privilege. What do you mean I have privilege? I struggle, I work hard and this and that. And I had to tell them, I used to, I had to use like, but it's a, it's a topic we could have. We could have. Mm-hmm. In Canada, you can't even tell somebody, you can't even, you can't even say like, hang on a minute, I see your kids look different. Why are they different? You can't even get out of them that it's from two different parents. I, I'm a teacher, man. <laughs> like, I know how hard it is to tell a parent like you need to have your child assessed because they have learning problems. They're like, my child doesn't have learning problems. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, and this is not to say, it's not to say that, because this is, okay, again, this is where Canadians might think, uh, look at him, ungrateful. Take his passport back. You know what I mean? No, no, that's not, that's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. What I meant is that Canadians are polite. Canadians are more reserved. And this is why, for yeah. instance, people say, um, you know, like, no, I, I think I'll keep that one to myself and carry on. But, um, I find that the one thing like Canadians, they will that kindness. Yeah, it's just it's just madness. It's just I mean, it's just I don't know. Like I, I found what I found to be true is like I came to Canada and they were like nice Canadians and this and that, and I'm like it's so true. It's so stereotypical. True, it's almost disgusting. 
Kill just him with so kindness. Weird. Kill him with kindness. We don't it's, have a big just, army. <laughs> it's just weird. It's just so weird. You like, you know, like, I get to a traffic light everywhere, like you know, in the in the in the prairies, people have never seen a bike. You see, everyone stops. Now they're gonna get me killed because people who have a they green don't know light, who goes first. Yeah. yeah, I'm like the light is green. All you go. They're like everyone, no, no, just go. And then you get somebody saying, okay, and I'm like, these people are just going to get me killed. I experience this every single day when I drive and I hit a four-way stop. Yeah. It's like people forget what to do because they're too polite. Yeah, you go first. You go first. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're going to get somebody first killed. First one there. Follow the go. rules. Yeah. Follow the rules. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, or, and actually, I also have a nice story. Actually, I have a very good story to Love illustrate it. that. I was in Saskatchewan. It was Sunday. Sunday, they go all out, you know, like, because it's a Christian family. By the way, my dad's are church minister so oh, yeah? I'm a Christian yeah. you know I'm a devout Christian I'm not ashamed of saying it but this is why I take absolute pleasure in bashing and making fun of Christians because I'm one of them you know what I mean it's like when you have like your idiot cousin only you can make fun of him not somebody else <laughs> now other people you know insult the Christians I'm gonna throw a punch and ask for forgiveness later so anyway <laughs> I leave my bag against the window because these Saskatchewan restaurants have like wide windows mm-hmm, yeah. and, and I usually lean my back against the window so that I could, I could see it I could keep an eye on it, but I would leave my light on because somehow thieves, if the light is on, they're like, oh, somebody's coming right there. Somebody will oh, right back. Oh, that's a nice, yeah, nice you know little hack, I mean? yeah. Because they know the person mustn't be far. Because they wouldn't leave their light on for long. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting and I'm, I'm the one in tights, you know, and everyone is looking Sunday best. And then this table, this lady makes some decision. Oh, that's a bright light. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's a bright light. And then like a dummy, I go explain why it's a big light. I'm like, I have it on the highway because Saskatchewan highways are so long and I want to be, you know, um, lorries to see me like five kilometers ahead. So that's why it's very bright. And I explain why, what I'm doing and this and that, blah, blah, blah. I keep going. Another restaurant, people tell me, oh, that's a very bright light and this and that. And then one day I go to the US and somebody, oh, turn that thing off. It's blinding me. And I, and I realized all this time, those people were actually telling me that my light too was bright. too bright. Because they wanted to tell me, oh, do you want me to turn it off? Because that's Canadian. They, you know, yeah, yeah. they'll turn you like, you know, they'll throw like, they'll throw you like a curveball, not a curveball. They'll like give you a hint or something so that you can say, oh, is it disturbing you? No, 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 it's not. But, you know, if you were to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, America, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, that thing is so bright. Turn that thing off. I mean, you know, that's interesting. Colorful yeah. language, you yeah. know what I mean? Then I was like, oh, my bad. And then I turned it off. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, shit, I've been doing this for the last two years. <laughs> that, and, I, and I felt like a dummy because there I was like spilling all my life, talking, and this person didn't care. They were like, friend, just turn your light off. That's and they're too I'm polite like, to tell you to stop talking. To and meanwhile, I'm like going at it and this and that. And I'm like, okay, you're not you talking. You brought your food over, you sat down exactly, with them. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know, I'm like, you're not talking. That means you're listening. So if you're listening, it means what I have to say is interesting. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm like, they're like, no, my man, like just turn your light off and yeah. you know bugger off you know what I mean that's a very good uh, story that illustrates how Canadians and Americans are you yeah. know I, I imagine that um, you know you must have had some really great encounters with African Americans uh, where they're just like wow look at you you're doing this and like I never thought that somebody who looks like me could do that you know and, and as a teacher in schools we always try and empower the kids um, you know to try to how do I say this? Anyways, that try to empower kids to make it feel like they are seen and they're visible and that, you know, they're not different just because they look different, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, the one thing I realized is that, I mean, 
I'm African born, so in Africa we don't have to deal with I'm not black, you know. In Africa we have our own issues, we have our own tribalism. Yeah. I mean I'm sitting in Canada because we have our own sure. yeah. you know, issues in, in, in the continent. And in I mean and by the continent I don't mean the whole continent. Like each region has its own set of, you know, ethnic or tribal issues. Mm-hmm. So for me, by the time I got here I was twenty two. Yeah, and I would say it's only when I moved to South Africa and when I moved to Canada that I realized that I'm black. Because okay. I don't identify myself as black. You know, I'm like, I'm a lot of things before I say I'm black. But when you come to North, to North America, that's when you're reminded that you are black, first and foremost. So sometimes it's not my reaction to say, oh, I'm black. Even when something mm-hmm. happens to me, it takes me a few instances before I realize, hang on a minute, my skin color has something to do with the person's reaction. You know, like for instance... A quick example, when I was, when I fell off my bike, the, actually the, the part that buggered me the most is that it was the lady and I in a small alley and it was just her and I and I wanted to scream at her. But then I realized the optics of this. Right. Like, I don't care what it looks. I don't... What actually happened is irrelevant, irrelevant. as to what the optics are. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm... So that's why when this lady walked off, I was actually relieved because then I could focus on myself and making sure that I was okay and... Because, you know, I'm like, because I was looking at our dog, making sure that the dog was playful. And the, actually, the dog was playful. And I realized the dog didn't attack me. The, the dog came just running t- towards my tire. Mm-hmm. And I freaked out and I turned around. And then I fell. So I actually realized that, because I've, I've been going through the way I fell. And I'm like, yeah, I fell. But the dog was in my tires. I could yeah, have felt yeah. it. So it, I don't think it was attacking me. It was just probably running. Just cause r- chasing. Cause too exciting. What, yeah, that's what yeah. dogs do. Yeah. So then I wanted to scream at the lady. And so and I f- remember, remember telling, being very polite and telling, I oh, know it's okay. You, you. I realized I've become Canadian. I was like, no, it's okay. My bike, you know, your, bo- your, your dog just touched on me. It's okay. It's nothing. And she just walked off. Meanwhile, she could see that I was completely bamboozled. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was like, and the funny thing is that I spoke French to her. And meanwhile, when I, I would not, I'd announced myself, I'd announce myself in English. But it's just because I was so, like, bamboozled that I couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. I lost all my English. I forgot yeah, English. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And that's where I realized, oh my gosh, I just fell my head. I forgot my English. Because I was trying to tell her, but then it's Ottawa and everyone speaks Ibalingual, so she wouldn't she, she understand. But that's the, you know, that's, I had to remind myself that, I mean, meanwhile, the, not, none of that incident was racially. No, no, for sure. None of it was. I'm not saying the lady's dog didn't. It has nothing to do with it. Everything comes from within me. Where to? Like, okay, I need to remind to remind myself of my role in this society here. Because first of all, we cyclists, everyone hates us. This person could have said this person came riding so fast next to me that I I freaked out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or maybe I was in fear of my life on this and that, you know, like they could, it was just two people talking, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and society will, you know, I'm male, I'm a cyclist and you know what I look like. I'm like, you know, so when the lady walked off, I was actually relieved because then I could just focus on myself and mm-hmm. getting better and fixing my Recovering bike. Recovering a bit too. You know, like yeah. sitting down and wondering like, okay, because I was doing all the series. I'm like, what's my name? You know, like, you know, I was, I was accounting. I'm like, man, and then I'm like, man, I'm don't, and then I was so freaked out. I'm like, I didn't want to take my helmet off. So I'm like, I don't want my, my brain to spill on the ground because that's where my mind went, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah. So to get back to the, to the topic. So I, I know exactly, um, my role. I mean, and I hate the fact that in my, in my situation of trauma where I was like completely, my brain still had enough, uh, survival power or whatever yeah. like common so, sense to say sure 
look at your surroundings and act accordingly. Mm. Even though you're on absolute pain, yeah. this is worse. Like I'd rather have a consecration than have a situation where now I have to tell the world that, I mean, you know, like, I'm, cause you know, in this society, like the white woman is king. I'm like yeah. queen, actually king. And <laughs> I didn't want to mess with that. I'm like, no. So then even though I was like half alert, but brain knew to automatically diffuse and be the one, make myself like not the angry, uh, angry black, black man. Yeah. and be very, you know, and I think the French helped, you know, and I had to be like, no, it's okay. Meanwhile, I just want to scream at her mm. because she was probably like, because, you know, I go to the experimental farm and people have their dogs oh, running there. and, yeah, and, yeah. That, and yeah. I had been there and I just returned from there. Oh, okay. And I had somebody's dog who had, so I was like fed up and this one had just made me fall. Mm-hmm. And the irony is that I just, re- I had just rebuilt my bike. I've never wanted carbon bars because I've, I've, I was told if you get carbon bars and your bike falls, you're going to, you know, it can't be bad. So were they broken? It's been seven years. I'm like, I'm never going to cut carbon bars. I get my carbon bar. The first ride, I fall, the back fall. Fortunately, this is where it helps. I fell first. Ah, okay. You absorb the impact, yeah. I fell first and then I fell my back. Because I, mm. I remember falling, I, I remember my back falling on me. Mm. Which, which, again, I don't know how it happened. Because I looked around, I'm like, it's my back. like very gymnastics type yeah, thing. Yeah. So I know my back was okay and I took it to, I mean, to Fat Moose and they're like, no, yeah. no, no, you, you're good. So... When I do these rides around the US and across Canada, I realize that whether I like it or not, I represent something. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I get a little bit of uh, flack. Is that the word? Yep. Flack from activists, you know, from black activists saying, yo, you're not doing anything. You're not representing black holes. And I'm like, I'm, a, I'm the one out there. I'm like, what? There's not many like biking these kind of distances like, that like, look like me. I need to watch my mouth yeah. on the internet because I'm the one on the ground. I'm the one who, I'm the target. I'm the one that somebody can say, what are you saying? And they're going to come with a pickup and come find me. Right. So when I'm very being very political and very diplomatic, I'm actually trying to be, to look after my own survival. Because mm-hmm. I tell them, it's easy to be a, uh, an activist when you're standing behind the screen and you have like a username, nobody knows who you are. I'm out there on the bike. First of all, people hate cyclists to begin with. Because and, and by, by the way, I will always, always say this, People hate cyclists before they had the hate black people. But if you're black and you're a cyclist, it's like, oh, it's like, it's like a gift that people giving, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, because motorists just hate cyclists. And this is my biggest danger. I tell people, forget being black, being a cyclist, because I can be in danger in Ottawa. I've, I've gone into a situation in Ottawa where people just got mad, you know? I've been in a situation in Montreal. I've been in a situation in Switzerland where people got mad. It doesn't matter. The only place where you don't get issues is the Netherlands. You know, yeah, because you never have to deal with cars, with traffic, you know, and and so I find that what I do as a cyclist, whether I like it or not, I represent a people, I mean, a race, whether I like it or not, but also I realize that, you know, I'm doing like I remember one day I was riding, I wasn't riding across the country, I was just riding my because I usually dress all black and. I rode and I, and I was in Montreal, in Montreal, in one, uh, Montreal North, which is like a very, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a suburb, it's a, it's a borough that's very, uh, black. Mm-hmm. And I was riding bike by, and it was in winter and I had my helmet, my, my, my winter helmet, my ski helmet, and it was goggles and I had like the, you know, the goggles and this and that. So I would look like a, you know, and the lady said, Oh, look, he looks like a black panther. I'm like, 
why is he on a bicycle? And I was like, and I looked at the mom and she's like, no, she's, he's never seen a black cyclist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. But then I'm like, well, that's interesting, but in the wrong way, because, you know, I found that the, some of the cyclists, people ride bikes, which is to commute, but road cycling is not, I mean, here in Ottawa, I've seen like one or two. And I think we, both of us looked at each other with like, oh, hi. You know, <laughs> but then we also don't want to look like very cliche and say, okay, now because we're black, we have to be what? We have to be friends because just because we're black, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, but also the government officials and government officials tend to be, no, hang on a minute, let me just keep quiet because everyone here is a government official. So, anyway, so except you, the teacher, you um, probably actually, you're probably the one person. Actually, no, I lie because everyone I meet here is either a teacher, like university, you're usually like a professor. Yeah. You're the first, I mean, you're, Professor, yeah, something. I'm education. an elementary school teacher. No, yeah, it's something. French. Education, education, yeah. education. Because they either politi- you know, politics, politics, like public servants, or, yeah. or you know, or all the military. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're working. I'm like, oh, what do you do? I'm a, you know, like I'm a major. I'm like, My whole family's military. I'm like major. Like, what did you major in? I'm like, no, major in the army. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like you have to tell me these things, you know. So, so yeah. So I find, I find that it. I have. A, I'm aware of it. But all I know is that the only thing I know is just is how to be wrong. You know, I can just be myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by being yourself, you just, you know, because also the things that sometimes people say, oh, but it's funny because I mean, American people say, oh, it's funny you don't, you don't speak like an African American. I'm like, well, I'm not African American. I'm black, but I'm not African American. You know, but I'm also I'm not. You know, I'm not born and raised in Canada, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna speak. You know, I'm gonna speak out and about. You know, like you know, like like some of the black community people will speak here. You know, I speak the way I speak. We know with a uh, like Rwandan, French, Kenyan, blah 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 accent. Yeah, you know, four the, accents mixed into one. And, exactly. You know, I'm yeah. my own. You know, we come in different you know shapes and sizes. Yeah, but we all look the same. And you know, but and I do know that. So one of the things, uh, you know, it's like we come. If, and but I found that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way to say all this politically. But what I found is that, for instance, in some of the... I was in uh, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and I stopped at a restaurant. And the staff there, they were like young, you know, they were like late teenage uh, girls. And they were, you know, they were the weight, the weight stuff. And they couldn't believe it. I'm like, what are you doing on a bike? Because it's usually, we, it's usually, we usually see white folk doing it. We've never seen a black person. And I'm like, well, we do it a lot. I'm like, where are you from? I'm from Canada. Ah, you're from Canada. So then it made sense. I'm like, <laughs> if well, you weren't from Canada, that'd be really messed up. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, actually, there are more. I mean, I didn't want to go there, but meanwhile, I'm, I'm your man. I was like, well, there are actually more black cyclists in the US than there are in Canada, just because of population size. And all you know cyclists I mean? in Canada, probably. exactly. You know. <laughs> but then, uh, so then, what the good thing about that encounter is that they asked me a lot about these questions. Like, what is it that you guys do and this and that? Because they never felt comfortable asking. Felt comfortable uh, asking. Yeah, yeah. So then I asked, and it was interesting because I could, they couldn't figure out how I came all the way from Vancouver. And they didn't know where, where, where Vancouver was. So I said Seattle. And they're like, you rode a bike all the way from Seattle? And I'm, I'm like, okay, let me, not, let me not even tell them that I rode across Canada. You know, because I, I just told them, yeah, I came from Seattle to here. And they just called everybody. I'm like, he rode a bike from Seattle. And then I answered all of questions, like, where do I sleep? Like, like if I don't get tired, I'm like, you, and then I, I kept telling them, I didn't ride from Seattle in one ride. Today, yeah. I you mean, know, like I've been riding, I've been at it since, since February. You've been on a bike since February? 
you know, That's I think wild. it was like April something, April, May. And yeah, so it was, so I find that, and then the other thing is that I also get other people messaging me that's like, oh, you know what? I saw you riding horse and then see you all doing these things. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, we, we do this too? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's do it. Mm -hmm. But I also get, you know, I have, and then have people of the community reaching out saying, hey, I want to ride here. What do you think? Like, how is it for me in the US? And I tell them, listen, this is the situation in the US, you know, or this is the situation in yeah. Quebec, you know, because there are parts of Quebec and also there are parts of Canada where the RCMP told me, listen, nothing's going to happen, but just for your safety, just to avoid possible problems, just keep, keep going this way. Don't go there. I'm not going to say where. Wow, in Canada. Yeah. Like, I can imagine that in like certain cities in the US where there's, you know, poverty stricken neighborhoods and, um, yeah. you know, where. Traditionally, in, this has been something to worry about. Yeah, there are places no matter Canada, what color you are. Yeah, the places in Canada, they are simply told me, listen. Hmm. Tell me off air after. I'd be really interested to hear what yeah. that is. I mean, it's not far. It's the first, you know, the first the alphabet. If you say the first one. Okay. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. Let other people sure, sure, that, sure. You know what I mean? And I was like, I want to go this way. I'm like, is it okay? Because I stayed with a family who told me, don't go. So the reason I ended up at RCMP is... Uh, police stations to begin with is that when I was riding across Canada I had to submit I had to go to police stations and official places so that they would fill the Guinness World Record paper saying that I was there as proof oh interesting you know? I didn't know that so I had to okay. go to police stations I had to go to like uh, post offices all places that look legit you know so that to prove that I was there it's so, funny because so now you would think with Garmin and stuff you could just like show your root files and no, because I can get somebody to write it for me. That's, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then, you know, I mean, it's all sort of things and, I mean, but the things that somebody wants to cheat will cheat. Mm -hmm. That's a thing. Because there are ways to cheat, I think, if you want to. So one of the things I would go to the, I would go to the police stations, but also it was a way of telling them, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing. If something happens to me, not that something's happened to me, like, Ship my body home. <laughs> like, this is where I am, you know. Yeah. And especially some, the further north I went, the, the more I would actually make it a point to tell the police station I'm on the road. And, and that would be nice. Sometimes mm. I'll be riding and then I'll see a police car pull over. Like, hey, we heard about you. Get in the car. And then I sit in the back of a police cruiser, warming up for like five minutes. And then I would get back on my back and keep going. Have a good little chat. And they would give me like, you know, they would give me like, everyone like wanted to give me like coffee. I don't drink coffee. And also I don't find, I find like, What's the matter with you? Like, <laughs> like I found like McDonald's and Tim Hortons, all those coffee. They, they, they give me headaches because yeah. I don't like the smell. Like and they would give me like donuts, which is food I don't eat. But then mm. when it's a gift, like I saw you earlier when I was patrolling and I went to the next one with like 50 kilometers over to the town and I thought of you and when I'm doing my, and I knew I was going to pass by, I brought you donuts. What the heck, what are you going to say? Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you. But then also when you're hungry up there, you're like, yeah, I'll take you it. Eat anything. Yeah. yeah. I never forget. Actually, I have another story. Sorry, I'm, I'm going. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm loving ranting. it, man. I I'm love ranting. stories. I, I love it when I don't have to dictate a conversation. I just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Central's Newfoundland and I was riding, and then I hear like eh, behind me, like somebody and hooting, like a big hooting. And I'm because people don't know you don't come, you don't mm. sneak up behind a cyclist and hoot. Overtake oh my them. god, it scares the shit out of you. Exactly. And like, <laughs> overtake me and then hoot to announce yourself or something. But I heard Rumble Strip, and then somebody hooting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm dead, and I couldn't go anywhere because it was snow. This lady says, I saw you on your bike this morning when I was going to work and it's 5 p.m. and I'm still on you and you're still on your bike. So I turned around and I went and bought you something to drink because you might be so thirsty. And she gave me a oh. two liter bottle of Coca-Cola. Oh my God. Huh? 
I mean, so kind, but at the same time, doesn't realize that that's two kilos you're carrying, and you're like, and where in the world are you gonna put a two? Like you can put it in your pocket, strap it you anywhere, can, you, can, yeah. you know. And I'm like, and I felt so guilty. And then she like, you know, she gave me sweets too. Yeah, because people give yeah, you, yeah. they give you drunk, which is good, but too much sugar, and then you have to deal with the aftermath after, which means that crashing. you're crashing, mm. you know. So Not then physically, I, but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm feeling weird and I'm feeling rude. I'm like, man, this is like, and I have this bottle. So then I sat on the side of the highway, I drank that thing. And then like maybe when I had like maybe one quarter left, I couldn't take it anymore, I spill it. And then I hopped back on the, on the bike. Man, my stomach, I couldn't pedal because I could just feel like a big, my stomach was like, yeah, yeah. my like stomach a, was like running because it was all this water. Just glug, glug, glug. <laughs> exactly. And every 10 minutes, I had to stop and pee on the side of the highway. And it, I did that all day. And then eventually, I, I don't know about it, but I found out that Coca-Cola dehydrates. I felt, Are you serious? Yeah, I found that. Uh, I don't I, know if it's a sugar, I don't know, but I found, yeah, I found yeah. myself dehydrated. I found myself like my lips were like dry, dry and yeah. this and that. And also, the, I didn't want to, because there's nothing there and, and it's wilderness. And I didn't want to throw that bottle. So I took the bottle and I put it in, in my jersey. Yeah. And I know it was making me sweat. Mm. Man, it was a hard day. So people were, you know, but they meant, you know, they meant well, you know? Yeah, yeah that's the but problem. When that's I was the in, I'm not problem. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. They all mean well. But that's, again, that's Canada. You know, they're yeah. very nice and this and that, you know what I mean? And, and, and then when I was in BC, Northern BC, like between, I would say between Vancouver and Pemberton, people would stop and give me stuff because they're all like tree huggers. Then they would give me like very nice stuff. You know, they would give me very, very, very nice stuff. Like they would give me like, very like you know like hey this is like very like very healthy food very good food like very nice like brownies and this and that ah oh, man that was I mean, no that magic was brownies where you're riding and all of a sudden you're like whoa what's going on no 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I also got people saying like hey like um where are you staying stay with us so I'm like no I have to go to the other city yeah so it was I, I lost the plot I don't know where we're going I was talking about uh, you know like the whole you know um, uh, representation mm -hmm. yes it's I'm aware of the, uh, not responsibility, I'm aware of the significance of what I'm doing, Yeah. but I don't try to overthink it because all I can do is just be myself and yeah. keep on riding. But I'm also aware that for instance, in some places, even here in Ottawa, I find that I have to be mindful when I, like, I don't want to say what I do illegally, but sometimes these traffic lights are too long. Yeah. So. Well, you know, it's, a, it's always a, it's an iffy thing, you know, like I see it a lot here in Chelsea because I live in like, where maybe there's more bikes per second than anywhere in the city on yeah. a weekend, right? Yeah. And you'll see big groups come and they don't even slow down. Like, so they barely slow down, but they just go and there's cars around. So I'm like, yeah. if there's cars at the intersection, play by the game, play the rule yeah. right. And it's all stop signs here. Yeah, yeah. You know, if there's no cars... Just yeah. go, because I mean, yeah. I'm the same way. If there's no cars and it's a stoplight, I'll sign, I'll slow down, yeah. and then I go. Yeah. Um, but same with bikes. You could do that. But if there's another car, I don't just run the stop yeah. sign, because that's just stupid, right? Yeah, but and, also now you represent all cyclists, and they're going to hit all cyclists. And, and I think that's what happens here, because there's yeah. so many cyclists. Everybody in Chelsea is like, that doesn't cycle. It's like, cyclists are the worst. Yeah. They never stop. And it's like, no, it's just the Those ones, ones from Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> Those ones. So now add to the fact that... Hey, everyone, sometimes I see people looking at me because I know I look different. Even my own people looking at me because mm -hmm. I look different. Now you can't be doing something stupid because you're, you're the gonna, only one and you stand out. Yeah, and yeah. also they're going to put a tunnel of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, like, look at them. Even on bikes, it can't be, you know, 
and, and, and it's not true. People are people, you know what I mean? But I'm aware of those, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm aware of that, you know? And, okay. and I'm also aware that sometimes I'll have to answer more questions than I answer because people are like, oh, yeah, you know, and this is Canada. Then you was like, hey, where are you from? You know, in Canada, they try to find a polite way to say it. I'm like, you know what? I was born in Rwanda, grew up in Kenya, grew up in South like, I need to go. You know, like, yeah, I can let's imagine not, that. Let's it, not beat around the bush. In you Canada, know where it's very I'm from. polite. And then in the yeah. US, it might be like, what is a black guy like you doing yeah, riding yeah, through yeah, town here? Yeah, exactly. And you'd be like, like where? You from? <laughs> I did not expect like, to come out. Where did you come from? Yeah, like, no. where did you come from? You know, you, you fell from home. I'm like, yes, I am. Where from? Canada. Oh my gosh. But here's the thing with America mm. I'm black until they know that I'm Canadian, then I'm Canadian. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. That's like because you're foreign. It's a foreign place, so it's uh, like it trumps. Like, it's like oh, you 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 Canadian, but I'm like. But if you were black from Mississippi, it might you'd still be black. Yeah, probably, but, you know, maybe. Or would they say he's a Mississippian guy? Yeah, yeah. So know. no, I don't know. But then suddenly I'm like, just, oh, but because it's again, it's that. Oh, now it explains why you're on a bike, mm-hmm. and you're black. <laughs> it's from Canada, you know. Maybe <laughs> that's Canadi- what Canadians do. It's, it's, it's he's Canadian. You know what I mean. Ride bikes, you, you live in what, igloos. You know what I mean? That's what you do. Play with polar bears. Exactly. So, <laughs> but people couldn't understand. Like, how do you cross the border? I mean, talk about education. How do you cross the border? I'm like, I just crossed the border. You know, like, you know, you see how, like, how, I'm, just, I'm, I was along the, they asked me when I was along the, the Mexican border. I'm like, you see how you can just go to Mexico? Well, the same thing with Canada. Yeah, but how can you cross from Canada to the US without catching a plane? I'm like, no, you just go. You just go to the border. I don't think they're, they're less educated, though, because my nephew recently asked me, like, when you go see your son in Japan, are, are you going to ride your bike? And I said, well, I, I mean, I could ride until I get to the ocean, but then I'd have to catch a boat or a plane. He goes, what? It's not connected? And I was like. How old is your nephew? Uh, he's 13 or 14. I'm like, I wish he was smarter. <laughs> well, I'm talking about adults. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, but I'm, talking about I'm like, like Japan. To me, it's so obvious. Like Japan, yeah. you know? No, it's like when I say I'm going to ride around the world. Oh, how about the water bodies of water oceans? I'm like, obviously, I'm going to ride them. So then it's on around the world. I'm like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, so okay. then you have to go, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna ride on the cyclical, you know, the cyclable place around the world. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Can you uh, tell So before we end, um, tell us about your trip this summer. And uh, yeah, where are you starting? Where are you going? And uh, what's your plan? So this is my big last trip. Like I, like I had said when I rode around the US, it was my last trip. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I get, um, you know, I get, I get um, antsy, antsy, whatever the antsy, word, yeah. antsy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to start. So I'm, I want to ride, I want to cross uh, the longest cyclable distance in Europe from the northern point to the southern tip, okay. which is from um, North Cape uh, in uh, Norway, which mm-hmm. is like the, it's it's not the most northern point, but it's the most cyclable northern point, meaning where you can ride. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, in some weird island, and that's not accessible. All the way to Tarifa, which is the nice. most southern point in, 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 in Spain. And the reason, again, is to raise funds for World, World Bicycle Relief. And like I tell everybody, I do the rides for me myself first, and World Bicycle Relief is a nice cause, you know what I mean? Like, but then, you know, I, I like to stress that because um, there are many ways I could be raising funds for World, uh, for World Bicycle Relief, but it's just a, this the one that gets me the most attention because it gets people talking and this and that, and, it, and you know, and, and you know, people take care of me if they want, if they felt compelled, you know, some, some people say, okay, but, yeah, we like World Bicycle Relief, but you also need to eat. Can we find you? I'm like, yeah, you should, can find me, but I'd rather you focus on World Bicycle Relief. And they're like, yeah, but one, anyway. So it's for World Bicycle Relief, but also it's for, you know, 
I've always wanted to cycle across Europe because I think Europe is a continent that's the most cycling friendly. You know, so I want to check it out. But also, I've never been in most of those countries. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, cross uh, 12 countries. I haven't been in most of them. Yeah, that's awesome. And some of the ones I've been haven't cycled in them. And also, it's, it's. I mean, I like to believe it's gonna be easy. But whenever I say that, you know, another challenge comes in. You know, and yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm doing. And because I find that, um. Like I, I want to settle down and meet somebody and do these things, but some, I want to do the big rides out of my system. Mm-hmm. You know, the other big rides I would like to do, but I would need to be supported and sponsored, is to ride around Africa. You know? uh, like circumnavigate, yeah. like kind of like you did in the US. Yeah, I would like to do that, but that requires a lot of money and logistics. And, you know, but who knows, you know, you know what I mean? Well, I'm just putting out there, I'll just put things out there and then yeah, if yeah. they happen, they happen. The world you know? happens, the world's so, listening. <laughs> yeah. So in June, in July, well, that's what I'm going to do. It should take me three months. But but one of the reasons I'm actually looking forward to this is that uh, as somebody who grew up to most of my childhood friends, they are based in Europe. So it's going to be like a way of to reconnect with everybody. Ah, so okay. it's going to be very fun. But also most of my fan base is in, the U- is in Europe. So it's going to be interesting. You Are you know, gonna be DJing along the way too? I, I try. I do it if I can because it's another pressure that I don't want because then I have to keep the time. Because mm-hmm. you know you can be riding. I'm can like, oh, tough, yeah, yeah, I'll be there next Friday, and then it rains two days in a row. Now you're stuck. What happens? Mm-hmm. So you have to miss a gig or you have to catch a train. Yeah, yeah. Now you have to catch a train. You have to book it in advance, but you didn't book in advance, so there's not enough in the. Tr- you know, it's nightmare. Right. It's you know, diff- it's and more then difficult. And you have to carry then. the clothes because you can't go. I mean, I've DJed in my Rafa kit because. I was too late to change. Yeah. So I did it in my Rafa kit in Amsterdam once. It's wild. You know, and people were like, you know, it's Amsterdam. He's eccentric. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's just, just yeah. crazy Amsterdam. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And so I try not to DJ, but also I like to differentiate the two. You know, when, when I DJ, I'm DJing. When I'm cycling, I'm cycling. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to keep them separate because it's how one inspires the other. You know, like I get inspired for my DJing when I'm cycling and I get, you know, I, I think about my cycling sometimes when I'm DJing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it and you can just follow it on my Instagram which is on at uh, Jabig or uh, you can just Google me and then you'll find me on the internet yeah. and uh, yeah, if, uh, you can also come to my Instagram and you can get the link to the net World Bicycle Relief if you and you have inclined. a Patreon as well if people want to I have a GoFundMe for my own okay, for my own you know then they can just message me and find out and I'll, I'll give them the link but first and foremost you know I'd rather people donate to World Bicycle Relief because you know the world has got me yeah. And I've got World Bicycle Relief, whatever. It's on, I know. It sounded better in your head, but yeah. Yeah, yeah and in French. Yeah, but but <laughs> you, all knew, you, you all know what I'm trying to get at. Cool, man. It's been great having you on the show and uh, to share your story. Um, you know, it's been a couple of years I've been thinking of getting you on, and uh, I saw you were in Ottawa, and I was like, hey, man, what better time than, than right now, the present? Because, uh, you know, you were always traveling, and every time I was free, you were doing something epic. And, when uh, I think you were free, I was probably out doing something. So yeah, yeah, man, it's very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right, I'll end this, and uh, everyone, keep on pedaling. Bye bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project, and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca. Or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. 
Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.